fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It's Black Friday, and James T. Harris is filling in for Glenn Beck. Coincidence? I think not. We've got black kids in Baltimore booing the First Lady. Why? And what's the media's role in it? It's not what you've been told. Twas the night before impeachment and all through the House, Democrats are worried their hoax is found out. Yes, we've got impeachment 2.0 on deck. Plus the rise of Mayor Pete Buttigieg, Booty Judge, but we like to call him Buttigieg, and why he is the perfect example of everything that is wrong with Democrat candidates. I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving because young people want to fundamentally transform the holiday. Kill it, really. And if their beliefs are right, I can't say I blame them. And dear Glenn Beck listeners, I'm going to tell you today why Kim Kardashian just might make a heck of a first lady. So as you are driving and kung fu fighting your way through Black Friday doorbuster sales, buckle up. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. My name is James T. Harris, and I am a unicorn. According to the Urban Dictionary, a unicorn is a, a mythical creature, someone amazing who is hard to catch or simply a very hard find. The term is often describing someone who is remarkably attractive, but not at all crazy, and has a great personality. Ha <laughs> ha! That's me. I am a husband to a smoking hot wife, a father to three perfect kids. They never do anything wrong ever, but that's not what makes me mythical, no. What makes me a very rare find is the fact that I am a radio talk show host who is an American of African descent, conservative, and has a great face for television. Yes, I am a beautiful man. My show is called The Conservative Circus. I am the ringmaster, and the big top is News Talk 550 KFYI out of Phoenix, Arizona. Now, if you would have told me any time in my life, up to a few weeks ago, that this day would happen, I'd say you're crazy. But here I am, sitting in for Glenn Beck. I'm honored. I'm also very, very frightened, but that's okay, because you're right here with me. Millions of you. <laughs> before I was in radio, I was a professional speaker. Before I was a speaker, I was a high school teacher for, for 10 years. But I have always been the child of Randolph and Desi Harris. And the one thing they demanded of my sister and me was that we respected our elders. An adult is never wrong. Even when they are wrong, you will show respect. That's what my father said. I have a childhood memory of my father walking into my elementary school class, looking to see where I was. We had eye contact. Then he went over to the teacher. The teacher's name was Mr. Fritchie. I remember it because this was a traumatic experience that I had. The teacher was surprised. Mr. Fritchie was like, Mr. Harris, uh, uh, why are you here? They had met during parent-teacher conferences. And my father told Mr. Fritchie, if my son ever gives you any problems, if my son ever disrespects you, you have my permission to whoop his assets. That's what he said. He didn't say assets, but you know. 
And my eyes went wide, and I sat straight up, and Mr. Fritchie said to my father, oh, Mr. Harris, I'm sure things won't come to that. I mean, James, he's a very disciplined young man. And my father said, just in case, I want you to know. I want him to know. I want the class to know. You have my permission. Yeah, my parents were very, very serious about respecting authority. I tried to pass that on to my kids. No, you have that first kid, and you're, that first kid is wonderful, that first kid is perfect, and you think that, you know what, you are the greatest parents on the planet. Then God gives you that second child to let you know you had nothing to do with it. My number two, wild child, my number two, you know, number one would say, Mom, can I cross the line? And Mom would say, no. And so he would stay four feet from it. My number two, mom, could I cross the line? No. He would get his toes right on the other side of the line. And then when you weren't looking, he put his foot all the way over and then bring it back. Number two, when we go to parent-teacher conferences, obviously he was very, very bright, but, you know, he had, he acted out. My solution, well, I, I pulled from my father. I said, look, put my name on the, on the board and put my telephone number, my cell number right next to it. If you ever have a problem, just point to that number. And, and number two, uh, whenever he did have a problem, uh, the teacher pointed to the number, and he just sat down, eyes wide, back straight. We respect authority. Never had a real problem out of my number three, uh, my daughter, until she grew up and turned into a teenager. But that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> Respecting authority. When I was a high school teacher, I was the first American of African descent working in that high school. And there were, there were uh, black students there. They tried me. I'm at the board and I'm putting up the lesson and all of a sudden, boom, I get hit in the back of the head with an eraser from two black kids. Again, I'm the only black teacher in the school. How are you going to treat me like this? What? What? You know, I turned around to them and said the same thing Don Lemon said to me years later when I was on his show, uh, you know, during the presidential debate with Obama. I said, brother, really? <laughs> really? Seriously? I shut the class down. I took off some paper and put some tape over the window. And the t students were like, what are you doing, Mr. Harris? I'm like, you know what? Class is over. When the, when, the, when, when the bell rings, I want everybody out of the class except for you two sitting in the front row, the ones who threw the eraser at my head. Uh, the kids left the classroom. I locked the door. They couldn't see in because that's why I put the paper up. And then I did something very unprofessional. I took off my, my, my suit coat. I wore a suit and tie every day as a teacher. You know, I think that that would sort of command more respect. I loosened up my tie. I rolled up my shirt. And then I went over and I engaged the two young men. And then I opened a door and I threw their books and their coats out. It was the last class of the day. And then I packed up all of my stuff because I knew that I was going to be fired. I knew it. You just can't engage people like that. And you're, you can't do that. So I was expecting to be called down to the principal's office just like students do. And I was expecting to be dismissed. It didn't happen. The day after that, it didn't happen. The day after that didn't happen. So I went to the students. They came to the class. They were perfectly well-behaved. They were respectful. And I kept them after class. One day I'm like, hey, you know what? Uh, what happened? They're like, what do you mean? I said, didn't you go home and tell your parents uh, 
or what happened? They said, no. I'm like, why? They said, because they would have whooped our assets too. Oh, <laughs> your parents demanded respect. Your parents would have been embarrassed if they would have known, if they knew how you treated a teacher, someone in authority. Yes, Mr. Harris. Okay. Well, I'm glad we have this understanding. Funny sidebar story. Years later, I was driving to church, had the whole family, all three kids there, and we were driving to church, and I noticed that a car did a U-turn and started following me, and it kind of freaked me out. I turned left, he turned left, I turned right, he turned right. Followed me right into the parking lot of the church. And I'm like, okay, this is serious business. Honey, let's get the kids out, get in church, somebody get, get, get somebody out here, and you know, I'm being stalked. Well, it turns out that the stalker was one of the kids that I had the engagement with years ago. He saw me driving in the minivan, recognized me, and just wanted to talk to me. He had his wife in the car, and he had two kids. And he said, Mr. Harris, I thought that was you. Mr. Harris, do you remember that day? I'm like, of course I remember that day. He said, Mr. Harris, I just want you to know I graduated from high school. I went to the Navy. I, uh, I, I've, I've had so much success. I told my wife about you. I told my friends about you. I told them about that day. And how that day really just changed things for me and how important respect is. I was relieved that it wasn't something serious. But I was also very much humbled. Respect. All of this floods into my mind as I, as I face the fact that the first lady of the United States of America goes to an opiate summit and there's Americans of African descent kids really middle schoolers she walks in here's a woman who is is learned here's a woman who speaks multiple languages here's a woman who has dedicated her time and her resources to address a problem that is plaguing America that is plaguing this neighborhood and she is greeted with a course of booze. Booze. See, the headlines say that uh, First Lady was booed at an opiate summit. But if it were reversed, they would introduce race to the equation. See, 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 see. It should read, Black students boo First Lady. But the media is not going to do that, are they? No, they're not. So we have to we have to break this down. Because I think there are two factors. There are two things that are at work here. One of them is the absolute breakdown of the family. But the other is how the media is manipulating how the media is spinning, how the media is causing people to, to turn against one another, how they're continuing to foment racism. I believe that uh, we are way past the time, way past the time where we can blame race for anything. And yet that is the chief weapon that is the tool that the left uses. 
we're going to get into how the media has responded to this. If you paid attention to my earlier stories, you know where I'm coming from. I say that this is a complete breakdown of the family. It is not just the black community. Do you remember uh, Cameron Casey? He's from the Parkland, one of the Parkland survivors. And you had Senator Marco Rubio go down and he just to meet with the survivors. Remember that town hall meeting? Do you remember the disrespect that those kids showed a sitting senator of the United States in the United States of America? Disrespect. I absolutely, you know, shut off everything he was saying afterwards. I couldn't hear it because of the lack of respect. Meanwhile, you've got Nick Sandman. Remember him from one of the Covington Catholic kids that were in Washington, D.C. And uh, he was uh, approached by a, a Native American. And yes, and yes, remember how the media treated that story, treated that young man. I'm telling you, we've got things to talk about. James T. Harris sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. James T. Harris sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program. You know, I, I'm sitting here and I'm just thinking about how the culture has changed. And the culture has changed tremendously since I was a high school teacher. I stopped teaching in 2000. I loved every single day as a high school teacher until it was finished. Actually, I was teaching history. Uh, and I was teaching it backwards. I didn't follow the timeline, you know, where you, you start, uh, if you're American history, you started the founding, but the reality is you never really make it past World War II, right? So I switched it. I started to teach history, starting with the president and then moving backwards, and I cut it into seasons and generational cycles. That way, when spring came back up, you know what? You could, you could remember that. You could have context. It didn't work out with the state testing, and then there was a little disagreement. Um, I should say a misunderstanding on my part. The, the, I thought the, the, the principal was offering suggestions. No, actually, he was telling me that uh, uh, this is the way it has to be done, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> Still, when we look at teaching today, we look at the schools, uh, I can honestly tell you that the, the teachers are no longer in charge. When I was a professional speaker, I did a, a speaking for high schools. And I would only do it primarily for for private schools or for public schools when, you know, the teachers had to be in the room. I said this. They have to be. They can't leave the auditorium because the kids would just sort of just like take over mob mentality. So I had to ask the question, where were the adults in the room when the first lady of the United States walked out to these booze? It is my pleasure to introduce to you the First Lady of the United States of America. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. And then, when this got picked up and the news is covering it, 
you had uh, you had different reactions. You had a reaction on the from the right side of the aisle. Of course, you had a reaction from the left side side of the aisle. You had uh, Tommy Tommy Loren. She she came on and she gave sort of like a nuanced uh, a nuanced approach here. She was talking about how the children will be children. Well, yes, and I think this is not only because, of course, she is Melania and her last name is Trump, but this is also just a lack of respect from young people. But where do they learn that from? Where do they learn that disrespect? Where do they learn that it is okay to boo the First Lady of the United States? Well, they learn that because they don't believe that they have to respect Melania or anyone with the last name of Trump because the media and congressional leaders and Democrats have told them that they don't have to, that it's their moral right to do those things. So this is an epidemic in this country. Not just of people not liking anyone with the last name of Trump, but just with young people being completely disrespectful. Tommy Lahren. Yeah, she's right to a certain degree. You know, you have to be taught respect. I just talked about how you have to be taught respect. I, I was taught respect. It was, it was drilled into me. I made sure that I taught my kids to respect authority. Even though we're talking about a different generation. Now I want you to hear from D.L. Hughley. He is a radio talk show host. He has a, a TV show. He's a comedian. Here was his take. Melania Trump shows up in Baltimore to booze and jeers. Sure. She's an anti-opiate, anti-drug message. Do you think she deserved that type of treatment? I do. Her, her, her husband disparaged Baltimore. Yeah, very much so. Rodent infested. And send his woman in, which I think is cowardly. Right. If you send your woman into a hornet's nest you created, I think that's cowardly. But the other thing is Baltimore ain't an opiate uh, drug capital. It's a heroin. Right. So you went with the wrong woman and the wrong drug. <laughs> okay, ha-ha. <laughs> that was so funny. Not, not really. Not really. See, he made it about President Trump. And he made it about President Trump speaking truthfully about Baltimore, the district of Elijah Cummings, how people lived, lived in rat-infested areas. See, this is what the media will do. The media, honestly, D.L. Hughley says that these kids remember when President Trump talked about their neighborhood. Really? Really? Is that what got them going? I don't think so. I think that they were taught this. I think that they were, they were poured in these, these cups of sorrows. I also think that it's because we have a generation of kids that do not have parents in their lives. We're going to talk about that coming up next. James T. Harris sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It's Black Friday. My name is James T. Harris, sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program. If we're discussing the fact that that Melania Trump, the first lady of the United States, was booed by a bunch of black middle schoolers, and I think that this is a cultural phenomenon. I think that this is something that should be discussed. It needs to be discussed. Yes, yes. Children today are more disrespectful than they are in the past, but every generation says that, right? 
And you can talk about schools back in the 1950s when the biggest problem was skipping and lying and chewing gum. And then in the 1960s, we got the boomers that came on board with their shenanigans and then the Xers after them. And then now we have, we have the millennials. And we're almost into a new generation beyond the millennials. The culture is just not respectful. We see it in our politics, and our politics are now bleeding over into families. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving on, on the Glenn Beck program today and how that has changed because of rudeness, because of just political hate, hatred. But right now, we're talking about these kids in Baltimore. Now, there is another, there is the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, but, but for right now, I want to talk about the disrespect that's going on because it's not just the booing of the first lady. If we're talking about what's happening and what people like to refer to as the black community, we got a lack of respect for police officers. What was this? This summer, you know, police officers are trying to do their jobs and, and you got people running up and, and hitting them with, with water balloons and, and water guns. And that's supposed to be okay. It's supposed to be okay because of the mythical hands up, don't shoot. It's supposed to be okay because of the Trayvon Martin hoax. It's supposed to be okay. I don't think so. And I think what is what, what it is is actually is dangerous. Being, by allowing our children to be disrespectful, we are putting them in harm's way in so many different environments. Do you want to weigh in on this? Triple eight seven two seven Beck is the telephone number. Um, if you know, I'm, I'm starting to hear from folks. I forgot to do my shameless plugs. You can follow me on Facebook at James T. Harris Media. You can follow me on Twitter at James T. Harris. I also have an Instagram page, James T. Harris. Would love to hear from you. Would love to uh, to uh, share with you what I'm thinking. And you know, through social media. And even with social media, you can get rude and disrespectful. I mean, there are no rules on social media unless you are a conservative. Yeah, they'll enforce the rules if you're a conservative. They'll call you out for being, for being rude, for being disrespectful if you are a conservative. But when it comes to the left side of the aisle, we are letting the children run free. Now, there's the other side, the media. The media loves to fan these flames. The, the media, you know, if, if it were uh, an American of European descent, oh, oh, the media is all over that because there is a war on Americans of European descent, especially if they are male. They're even coming up with new terms like cis and dis. I can't even follow it. But you know it. You know what's happening. When we talk about all of the hatred that is going on, especially if we're talking about racial hatred, political hatred, I would like to, to say to you that that doesn't really exist among we the people. That exists in the media. That is what the media is pushing. That is what the media trades on. If it bleeds, it leads, especially if it is anti-conservative, especially if it is anti-Trump. Now, the first lady, she walked into this gauntlet. You had D.L. Hughley saying that, you know what, uh, uh, you know, that, that shows you the kind of man that President Trump is to send his woman in there with the wrong message. I'm sorry. I think it shows you the type of individuals President Trump and Melania Trump are. 
I'm quite sure she knew that she would not get the the uh, uh, the, the respect of the crowd. She probably sensed it. She went anyway. And you know what? She stuck to her message. And here's something that the media did not report. By the end of Melania Trump's presentation, she won the crowd over. There was far more cheering when she was finished than when she walked in. Her simple message won the crowd over. The crowd of angry teenagers, or maybe adults flooded the room. Maybe adults realized how embarrassing this was. It, it doesn't matter. However it happened. Her poise, her grace, her comments afterwards. We live in a democracy and people should be able to express themselves. And, you know, maybe Melania should tell that to Twitter or to Mark Zuckerberg over there at Facebook. They should be able to express themselves. You used to be able to do that. But the first lady, I think, proved a point. And, and the point is, you know what? We, even if you are being disrespected, if you show respect, it's going to elicit a, a positive response. It, it, it could. It, it might. And more of us should take the opportunity just to, to give it a chance. Isn't that one of the liberal songs back from the 1960s and 70s? All we are saying is give grace a chance. Give respect a chance. They call it love. That's like the, you know, the every word. Love. 888-727-BECK if you want to get in on this conversation. It's tied into everything. Uh, there was the big news yesterday. We had the, the Democrats who were trying to prepare liberals for the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving dinner. You had Democrats who were giving instructions. You had CNN were giving out pamphlets on how to deal with a President Trump, how to deal with President Trump and his policies. It was quite hilarious. And it's quite the change. Now we have Democrats out there who are calling for peace. Now we have Democrats out there who are wanting to just, you know, have conversation. Uh, uh, we, have, we, have, we have Democrats who don't want you to, to be mean because see, it's the Republicans that are mean. It's the Republicans that are bigoted. It's the Republicans uh, that are part of, uh, what did they say on CNN last week? We are part of a cult. We're part of for ISIS. And you don't invite ISIS to the to the table. You don't do that to the Thanksgiving table. But if you do, you have to treat them with respect. Well, that's interesting because I remember President Obama. I remember President Obama back in the day. He had quite different instructions. He was telling people, you know what? We need to I need for you all to, you know, to just get all up in folks' face. I need for you all to get just get all personal. Talk to them whether they're independent or whether they are Republican. I want you to argue with them and get in their face. And if they tell you that, well, we're not sure where he stands on guns, I want you to say he believes in the Second Amendment. If, if they tell you, well, he's going to raise your taxes, you say, no, he's not, he's going to lower them. Yeah. 
I need for you to get up in their face. If they if 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 they're saying they're gonna raise your taxes, I want you to lie to them and say no, we're gonna lower them. <laughs> if they say we're not gonna be able to keep our health care, I want you to lie to them. And you know what? That was in 2008. Things have ramped up since then. The the very same party that is trying to tell you to you know be calm and just tell tell the Republicans what Democrats will do for you. They, they gotta explain Maxine Waters. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. They're not welcome anymore. They're not welcome anywhere. And we've seen Republicans, conservatives, chased out of restaurants. We've seen them harassed. And yet, we have the tolerant left saying that it is it, it's, it's Trump supporters. It's we the people. It's conservatives. It's Republicans that are doing that. No. The lack of civility is not from the right side of the aisle. Oh, we can get there. But this lack of civility is something that is spreading like a poison and is getting worse. And I, I don't think we're the ones that are perpetuating it. This is what makes you know some of the, the 2020 politics very, very interesting. Because when you look on what's happening on the left side of the aisle, the left side of the aisle, uh, the, the Democrats are so calm, they're starting to put us all to sleep. James T. Harris, sitting in on Black Friday for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Happy Black Friday. James T. Harris, sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, I, I am uh, out of uh, Phoenix, Arizona, News Talk 550 KFYI. I love living in the Valley of the Sun. It's just a beautiful, especially this time of year, especially this time of year, as the rest of the country is kind of cold, freezing, snowing. Now, we got rain, but that was just for like a half a day. And then the sun shine returns. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it's also a beautiful thing that we're in an election year. I know that some people just bristle at that. Some people get tired of the campaign commercials interrupting their flow. I have a suggestion. Cut off the television. Oh, it would do a world of wonder. But if you choose to inflict that pain on yourself, I want you to look at it a different way. That television the that electronic media is so powerful it has shaped reshaped our whole world the way we look at politics the way we look at church the way you know it dictates our time we have shorter attention spans because of that television that little electronic box and the people who control it, the people who manipulate it, oh my goodness. You have to ask yourself, why am I seeing this? Why are they showing me this? And then 
you also have to ask yourself, what are they not showing me? And the perfect prime example of that is you know, the first lady being booed by those children, uh, the black kids out in Baltimore at the opiate uh, summit. Uh, the media wanted you to hear the boos. That's why ABC, NBC, CBS, that's why they all carried it. CNN, uh, MSNBC, that's why they carried it. Fox News, they carried it. But no one carried the cheers when she was walking off the stage. Well, why? Because it's all about the narrative. It's all about control. And one of the things, one of the reasons why many of us in this country love President Trump is because he broke through that. He broke through that by manipulating the media himself. He broke through that as a, as a, a reality TV show star. You know, I, I just read Bill O'Reilly's book. It's a fantastic book, The United States of Trump. And in that book, he suggests that this was all part of the plan. That President Trump planned on becoming president years ago, decades ago. And everything he did, especially that, that reality show, was building up, to, building up to the moment. When he came down the elevator and he made the announcement, he, in a way, knew that he could talk to the people directly because of the, because of the show, because of the shows that he has done. And now with the use of Twitter and the fact that the television gave him so much time building him up because they thought they could tear him down. Uh, now he is still punking them every single day. And that's why you don't see many of the rallies anymore unless you're watching Fox. They're not going to show it because he's killing them. And. Something else incredible is happening. You had all the king's horses and all the king's men try to bring President Trump down with the fake, uh, uh, the dossier story with the your collusion, uh, your obstruction of justice with the Russians. And now they're trying to use the same playbook with the Ukraine, Ukrainian. And now we have, we're going to have impeachment. Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about impeachment 2.0, the impeachment hoax if you want to weigh in it is a triple eight seven two seven back oh we're going to have some fun with this because if you choose to watch television if you choose to watch that box i want you to understand how president trump really is even beating the manipulators of this hoax primarily the democrats Oh, the Democrats, man, I'm telling you, the reason why they're doing all this is because they got to get this man out. They got to get this bad man out, the orange man. They have to get him because they can't beat him at the election box. James T. Harris sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck.